welcome to episode 40 of the Needle Movement Podcast. With the new year, I promised a few new topics to discuss. Today, we're going to cover the agency-client relationship, and we're going to have a bitch session on that. In business, anyone will tell you it's all about relationships to get the results you want. And these days, most of us work with either clients or agencies to achieve our goals, and we're either on the client side or the agency side. Because we can have all the tools, but it's really the team that handles the execution. Often that's not just in-house people. And this agency client structure, it's interesting because it's existed since, I don't know, the Mad Men era. It's ex- like it goes way back. And often, even today, some of our expectations and biases goes into those, these dated associations with it. With the gig economy too, the agency client relationship has evolved. Staffing is so much different these days. It's different even from what it was five years ago with what you can do with different levels of staffing and if you're going to hire part-time, full-time, or contract work. So we got two expert panelists, Jason Zatara and Wendy Hugh, who definitely have been there. They're going to share their insights. And we'll have some fun on this show. We're going to talk about why agencies suck. We're going to dish. We're going to dish on why clients suck, agencies suck. And ultimately... It's just about how we all can get more out of these collaborations. Can't wait to dive in. I'm your host, Stephen Carl, talking to you straight from Brooklyn, New York. Now let's get on to the show. Welcome to the Needle Movement Podcast. And this podcast, it actually marks almost the one year anniversary of starting this up. And we couldn't have a more juicy topic. And our topic today is going to be a bitch session on the agency client relationship, because it seems like everybody's got an opinion on this one. I remember talking to a client saying, should we do this? Do you think this would be a good topic? And then he talked my ear off for 20 minutes about it and what agencies could do better, what clients could do better. I think we have some good, plenty of material here. But first off, couldn't have two better people on this panel, people that are also absolutely subject matter experts in their area. So I'll quickly introduce them. So first off, we have Jason Zatara, the founder of 1026 Media, and that's his official title, but the other one he's known for in our circles is the king of ads. That's what others call him here as well. Jason, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. I am Jason Zotara. As Stephen mentioned, I run an agency called 1026 Media out of Denver, Colorado. We service really small, medium, and enterprise-sized companies with digital advertising, so mostly paid media. When you're talking Facebook ads, Google ads, LinkedIn, any really platform we help on. So that's everything from hospitality, travel, which unfortunately has taken a hit over recent time, but all the way through technology and even the pet space. So yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to have you, Jason. And next, we have Wendy Hugh. So Wendy is the founder and creative director of Visual Conductor, which is a boutique creative studio. Wendy is also my old office suite mate in Brooklyn. And funny enough, Wendy and I were actually in an agency client relationship ourselves when she designed the first needle movement website a few years ago. So Wendy, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Hello, everybody. I'm Wendy, and I'm founder and creative director of Visual Conductor, which is a boutique creative studio that vibrantly brings brands to life with what I call magic, magic bling bling. So we craft exciting visual campaigns, virtual and hybrid events, and experiences that inspire, educate, empower, and bring joy to your audience. 
Yeah, you had an interesting, during this unique year, you had an interesting pivot where you got involved with virtual dancing, like an event where people can dance right from their homes together in a community. Yes, that's correct. To speak on it real quickly, dancing was born. It was a virtual party experiment where three-part mission, one, bring joy to people in isolation, two, support DJs and artists impacted by financially by this year. And then three, it was really a, a lab to uh, experiment in the virtual environment because beyond just a uh, live stream, we wanted to do interaction. We wanted connectivity. We wanted it to be fun and not yet another Zoom. Unknown meeting. fact, I used to be a DJ. So shh, don't tell anybody. Ooh, a collab. we'll talk later. All right, all right. <laughs> to, uh, yeah, big into music. I used to work for radio. I grew up in radio. Again, but that's great. Always love supporting those causes and those organizations. And we're going to have a music round at the end, so this is perfect. So let's go to the beginning of, we're going to talk about agency versus client because we're all in these relationships and we're all trying to get the most out of it. And I think we both, while we're in, I guess, agency world now, the three of us, I know that multiple people on this panel have also been on the client side too and had to deal with agencies. So there is a feeling on both sides. So let's go to the first question, which would be, when should brands use an agency versus just do it themselves? So I, I feel initially in-house is always best when you're starting out. That said, when should you transition to an agency? I believe it's when your business is established, it's beyond startup mode, and you're generating a steady income and or you may have financial backers. You're ready to expand your market audience, probably edge into multinational markets. And your branding, your marketing might have been good to start out, but I think you're ready to take it to that next level. And that's when you can take on an agency who has that experience, the strategy, the team, and the connections. Yeah. Because they have the expertise to do it. For me, I think it would be just depending on your experience, right? And what kind of knowledge and experience you have on your team, meaning a bench of internal team, right? So for example, I find it most beneficial to work with other agencies, even myself, or request brands to look elsewhere if they don't have that expertise in-house, right? So it's more of that filling in the gaps. Because especially from a business owner, if you're talking small businesses, they don't want to be doing marketing, right? Like they just want to go out, like if you're a contractor, say you're doing kitchen and bathroom remodels, like you just want to go sell, right? You just want to go meet new people, close more business. Like you don't care where the leads are coming from per se, but you just want those phones to be ringing and those sales to be there to, to sell. And so if you have somebody internally who can do that, that's awesome. And I definitely recommend that. If not, then definitely look for outside agencies who can bring that expertise. Real quick to expound on that, Jason. I love the collaborative idea. I definitely feel like that's the way of how newer forward-thinking agencies should be doing it. I also, there's yet the other idea of hybrid, the option of, let's say your branding and marketing team may not be strong internally. So you take it to that external agency, get your campaign done or get your branding redone and then bring it back to your in-house team to do the day-to-day -day updates. And yeah, and like a project more, yeah, more like project-based support. If you're in e-commerce, right. And you may just have that deep bench and or you may just have overflow and so you need to bring somebody else in. Yeah. I think, well, you know, what Jason was saying about filling in the gaps. I mean, that's what's really important. And what we're talking about now is a done with you type of service where the agency comes on for a certain amount of time or an expert, a consultant agency, doesn't matter. And instead of doing everything for the client, which sounds good, but then the client don't learn anything and they're back to square one six months later. But with the done with you, 
type of service, they can learn what's going on and they can, when they're in those overfill moments, they can bring a, a team on. I mean, my sympathy with companies right now is it's scale your biz or die in some ways where you, there's so many things to cover and it, there's so many more media channels. And like, I can just see like the pain in people's faces where it's like, oh man, I got to cover another social media channel. I got to be conscious of this. And it's, you're not going to have an in-house team is not going to have those experts. So it's great to like with the gig economy, you really don't have to bring in full-time people anymore. You can actually find someone that's the skill set. You have a little bit more. Yes. It used to be just like SEO and SEM were the things that people were like, oh, I don't want to study the Google algorithm or every change they make. So I'm going to hire an agency to do that. But now like social media, email, a lot of other stuff that used to be considered in-house now is becoming like, hey, let's bring in these experts because we ain't going to hit our sales goals or we ain't going to accomplish what we're looking for without getting some help and learning quicker than we are right now. Yes. I think agencies are also becoming more niche as well, too. Perhaps their, their specialty is more social media or media yeah. buying or experiential. So it's just you can hire them for a portion of what you need, or maybe that's what they specialize I was just, in. I was just going to say that where you have the world of full service marketing agencies, what I found and where I took, because we were like that when I first started 1026, but I was like, I think we prefer to be amazing at one thing versus being good at a lot of things, right? And we found with that, like you said, you're really able to get niche. So someone say, hey, I want to advertise on Facebook. We're here, right? Kind of thing. So yeah, definitely agree with that. Great point, Wendy. Let's go on to the next question at the heart of this. So we'll just go off on both sides. So why do agencies suck? <laughs> Wendy, why do agencies oh, suck? Oh, I want this one. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, you, you know what? Last time Jason gave me the first move. So you know what? I'm going to bounce it back to him. You can start. You're going to pass? <laughs> oh, no, I, I have plenty to say, but let Jason start this one off. All right, all right. Cool, cool. So I don't know if, I mean, I'm an agency, but we're all our agencies here, right? So I don't know if agencies suck. I do think the best way that I can explain this is I grew up in an entrepreneur household. My father and my brother both were entrepreneurs. And so I saw a lot of different things and also my own experiences of being on both sides. And I think part of the challenge with any company, I believe, is the separation between sales and operations and the separation between when you're selling something to said customer or client, it's not always the same as what it gets to the operations team. For example, let's just say with the bigger agencies, and I can even speak from agency to agencies, right? Because we partner with a lot of agencies and we've also had brands that bring in other agencies. And it's always just like, how much money are you spending on this guy? People like they're not even doing half of what they say they're going to be doing. I'm not going to call out anybody, but like, that's the reality. And I find that I was joking with my wife the other day. I was like, every time someone brings in a bigger agency, I remember why I started my own. Going back to your questions, I think you have a sales guy, because I've been that person, where you're pitching 20, 30, 50 years of experience, right? Whatever your experience is, you're pitching that team. And then as soon as they come in, it's either different or they hand it off to a new specialist that just came on, an intern. You know, maybe it's an intern, maybe, right? So you may not be getting that senior level type of support that you're sold. And so I think that to me, being on both sides and being in both sales and operations, that's where I think the biggest breakdown with big agencies is, or big agencies are, is that are you selling the client 
on what you're actually going to deliver. And because a lot of people say whatever they want to get that sale. So it happens across different businesses, but from an agency perspective, that I think is at the core of the issue that I've experienced. Gotcha. So Wendy? I actually agree with much of what Jason was saying. I do want to say I don't necessarily feel that being an agency myself as well, too, and working with other agencies, maybe suck is a strong word. There's downsides, there's challenges, there's frustration. Do I sometimes want to tear my hair out and scream at the top of a cliff? Yes, most definitely, yes. And it's a lot of times it's inefficiencies uh, in uh, relationships. I think a lot of these larger agencies, uh, I have to say, first of all, okay, yeah, it's expensive. It can be expensive sometimes. I feel like some of these larger agencies, it's inefficient with that old agency model, dare I even say, harking back to uh, Mad Men, where I've actually, there have been projects where I work with several agencies. There's like several agencies involved. And what I can say is big ideas can happen without always incurring huge budgets to execute. I've worked with brilliant creative directors who are not scrappy when it comes to like a solution and deadline. So that could be frustrating where it's just like too many rounds. Um, it could be a smarter, leaner process. And as a smaller agency, I believe in almost that startup model, lean, mean, efficient, smart solutions. So I feel like what's frustrating with agencies is that I feel some of these larger agencies could think in a more agile way and be more smart and forward thinking in how they run the business itself. I'm sure they create award-winning, amazing work, but it's just First of all, when you have so many agencies involved, how can you work together as that team to streamline and keep the messaging, the branding, all of that together? Yeah, I think that would be my gripe is how do we all work together and not like drive up a huge bill? In well, if I may months. add to that, I definitely think there's, I always yeah. laugh when people are showing off their big offices, right? And they're showing off their, but at the same time, I get a call from a client of theirs saying, Hey, I'm trying to get a hold of somebody, but they're all out on a photo shoot, right? To take pictures of their team, right? Or they're at a ping pong tournament or they're at dodgeball, right? Like I can't get a hold of anybody. So like, I think there is that Silicon Valley type feel to agencies where we have all this money, right? We're going to go spend it on the nicest offices. We're going to hire the most amount of people, right? And we're going to look the biggest in this, in, because we have that kind of funding. And I think that can in turn cause a culture challenge for people and for when you're looking for new clients. And so I think there's some of that too, right? Of like, like you said, and I think going back to what you're saying, Wendy, is you don't have to be the biggest agency in town to have the biggest ideas in town. So when you look at that office, that's what you're paying for in, yeah. <laughs> in the engagement. I think, Jason, one thing that you were saying that I've heard even when I was on the client side is sometimes you don't get the A team that you thought you were getting. Like sometimes you get the C team. <laughs> And you're like, I saw this great case study. I saw this beautiful creative. Where is it? And like, it just happens. I guess that's maybe there's some that just goes with the, the follow-ups and just making sure that you're going to get the people that are responsible. I think what annoys me about agencies is it reminds me of what people don't like about Instagram, where people say like, what I don't like about Instagram is people present their perfect self where they're always crushing it. Who cares if it's a COVID year? Every client, we're making 100x. And it just gets a little too hustlery, where if you've succeeded every time, then you're taking on the easiest jobs. So it's just that presentation of perfect self. Read this comment on LinkedIn that I thought about a lot because 
someone asked me for a recommendation to another agency, but because all the other agencies are fools, I can't really recommend anybody else. And I just think that's a little arrogant. <laughs> there are plenty of good agencies and really smart people. I think it's just you got to vet the process to find them. It's like dating. You got to go through the different dates and relationships to find the best one. And yeah, not everyone, just because you got, it's just because the last boyfriend or girlfriend was a jerk doesn't mean every one of them was a jerk, right? And they all aren't. But yeah, there's definitely their share of them out there. I do want to add, don't always go, listen, yes, it's shiny, it's sexy, the big name agency, the big players. Take a look at the variety of type of agencies. It's really about fit. It's about mutual culture. Yeah, you're not any agency's only client, but make sure that they cater to you and bring their A game and make sure that there's some connection. It's about the connections beyond just hiring that big agency. Well, yeah, to, to, Steven's, yeah, to Steven's point, like just quickly, I want to see a case study of something that didn't work. <laughs> Right. Like I want to see like, Hey, you tried this and then, you know, like, yeah, you're going to respect that more of like, not everything that you do. I mean, I admit every, not everything we do hits the home run every time. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with singles and doubles and once in a while you'll test things and they flop, but that's part of business. Right. Marketing is about experimenting. And a lot of times you're trying to predict the future. So you're not going to, yeah, it's impossible that everything you've ever tried has worked perfectly. Just because it's that experimenting and tracking and tinkering that actually makes your business stronger. Exactly. Yeah. Taking the lessons and tweaking it as you go along. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the opposite side. That's it. That's all on the agency side. No, I'm just kidding. We got so much. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. It could be longer. It could you be got longer. more, Jason? Oh, yes. No, go ahead. We'll go to the brand <laughs> side. Go ahead, Steven. All right. Why do clients suck? Wendy? Who wants this one first? Okay. Again, it's not so much about clients sucking, but maybe there's a level of education and trying to reach a mutual understanding. That said, is it sometimes, yeah, it can get pretty annoying, sure, but it goes both ways. They get frustrated with us too, I'm sure. Well, two things come to mind, but first of all, I'm not sure what you want. Don't be one of those people who's like, I'm not really sure, but when I see it, I'll know it type of thing. Like, Give us a more clear scope or vision or even let's have a nice briefing. We tr- if you don't exactly know, let's, let's try to get that out of you because otherwise it's just going to cause the process to go off track or just get diluted. And that's going to be frustrating for everybody. Another thing is a scope creep, not a clear understanding of having of what that agency's services are providing. Steve and I have had that conversation <laughs> where we have. you sometimes <laughs> have to, in your contract and talking to them, clearly define what you're offering them. And maybe that's on us that we let them know what services we're providing, the deadlines, what's going to be an extra charge and add-on. I got another one I want to get into, but I'm going to toss it to Jason for a minute before I talk about something else that I super, super have an issue with, but go ahead. (laughs) No, that's great. I think overall, and it is like my new word of 2020. No, I'm just kidding. Not new word, but my word of the year is misinformed. I think the problem kind of goes right back to what you were saying, Wendy, of they don't fully understand. And that's partially on, on us, right? As agencies, we have to do a good job and a, maybe a better job of explaining this is exactly what we're doing. That's why we have kickoff calls with every client and we go through the proposal. We go, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's the timeline. Here's the schedule. Here's what to expect. Here's what not to expect. And so I think from an agency perspective, it's both ways. There's also a huge problem with and I'll just say this, people being in positions that they probably should not be in, or they're not 
experienced or knowledgeable enough to be in those positions, meaning, you know, the director titles or the CMO titles, but then they don't really have a full grasp of how digital works. And it's not that it's, and I'm not trying to demean or anybody because everybody has their own sets of skills. It's more of the fact that it, you know your skill set, right? Like I know I'm not great at, for example, I'm not great at blogging. I'm like long form writing is not my thing. I can't do it. You want me to write some ads? I'm all for it. I, the short, quick ads, I'm good. What I do is I hire people who can write blogs, right? And so I think sometimes when you get people in CMO or C-suite positions or director positions, they don't allow themselves to say, hey, I don't understand that, or they don't really know 100% what that means. And so they will either ask a friend who maybe is not as it, they'll, they'll Google it, whatever it may be like, and they might be just misinformed on exactly what, how it should be. The other thing that really irritates me is when someone goes to it nowadays, but when someone goes to a trade show or they see something on a webcast and they're like, oh, let's try this. I've had clients come to me and say, hey, we want to change our checkout process because we saw it this way. Now, mind you, is one person who saw it one time and now they want to affect everybody's workload and, and change the entire process of the checkout for an e-commerce business. So it's like that kind of stuff where are you vetting it? Are you doing your homework? Is this the right move? Because again, I think people are CYA, CYOA, in that sense of they got to do what is their job. They're not always looking at from a business perspective, what makes the most sense. And is that really going to move the needle from a top line and ultimately a bottom line perspective? So I'll stop on that and let Wendy get it because <laughs> I can keep going. I had an experience where a salesman in SEO had gotten emails to all these executives about the Google rankings being messed up and literally like 15 different people got involved. And I think a lot of that is because the team was, the, the executive team was receptive to getting pushed by salespeople. And it just created a lot of wasted time in the project. I have a couple of things on just, so on clients, I think just from observations. I think first off, there's this expectation of instant results. And I think that's something that I mean, at this point, I think we all have been through enough engagements where we walk in and we're like, look, we're going to do everything possible to make this successful, but it's going to be a collaborative effort and it's not going to happen overnight. Day one is your worst day on advertising in most things because you don't know. You're going to learn things that are going to make you so much better in time. But I think sometimes there's this, especially in marketing, an expectation of what have you done for me lately? And just having some patience with that, because there's also other variables too. Like if Jason's running search engine marketing or I'm running email, product market fit is a huge issue that could impact everything. Key is really not just, we're definitely going to crush it and succeed. We're going to problem solve. We're going to find out what's wrong. And we're going to have a conversation of what are these things that are like, you got an engine right now and it's only running at 40 miles an hour. And we're going to talk about why and how it could run to 50, 60, and beyond. The results thing, I think Wendy hit on a great point on scope. And scope is like, it's this weird word that when I was working client side, I thought agencies were being stingy. I was like, why don't they do this? Why are they complaining about the scope? Why can't they? But I didn't know the agreement that was made. But I think with scope, just to break it down is, let's just say the scope is 50 hours of work that you agreed upon, and you're working 80 hours. The reason why it's really important to understand that is because 
in that situation, like the agency is getting paid for 50 hours and not getting paid for 30 hours. I think in most cases, we're not going to put 50 hours on the dot and complain about 51 or 52 hours. But it's important to understand that because like the agency is just trying to, in some ways, protect itself because there's no way you can be profitable if you're paid for 60% of your time. And on the agency side, there is a time is money relationship. So I think that that just looking at the contract and understanding scope creep, having an open conversation is good because then you figure out, I think sometimes clients think, oh, if I get as much work out of that, out of that agency, I'm supporting my client, I'm supporting my company and my job, but sometimes it can be a little counteractive. Then you're not getting the most important things done. Exactly. And that's why also with, yeah, with clients, sometimes I say like realistic timelines are really important. We've all worked with people that are ASAP, ASAP, ASAP. If that happens one way or another, the company is going to get charged more because now the agency would be charging services that are, they have to drop everything and do it because they're getting emails on it. But so I think scope creep is just, it's just good to understand on both sides so that you're all in the same page. Well, if I may just jump in really quickly on that, I think... The difference, though, that I've always looked at it is the expectation was set on this many hours, and I set that expectation. If an agency tells right. me it's 50 hours, if it takes them longer, if I'm not changing anything, that's on them, right? So going back to, I know this is a session about how bad everybody is, but which is still <laughs> still warranted in the season, but right, I think it, it goes both ways, right? It, as an agency founder, mm-hmm. even from an operation side. I need to make sure that my team is hitting those milestones and hitting those tasks. And if they're not, then I might have to eat some of those hours if it's on me. But I definitely agree 100% when a client comes and says, oh, what if we do this? Or what if we add that, right? Like we just build out another page, right? It's just copy paste, right? Like just click that button. I've launched over 500 websites in my career. It's something I did in my previous life. But going back to, let's just add this, right? Or can we just change that when it's already been after the design phase or, or it's already in dev mode, right? And so, yeah, thankfully, I will say part of the reason, and this is actually a great subject, and this is part of the reason why I went into paid media is we don't get that really as much, really at all, mostly because our proposals are very defined and paid media doesn't really lend itself to that scope creep. SEO can, website development can, graphic design. When you're talking design mm-hmm. and project-based stuff, then absolutely people get it, right? Like. We're going to create ads. We're going to do the creative. We're going to post. We're going to place these bids, right? All this, this stuff that's included. Very seldom would that change on a month-to-month basis unless they want to come back and say, like, add a whole new campaign on top of that or something like that. That's when we have that conversation of, hey, we charge by campaign, that kind of stuff. But thankfully, I'm sure Wendy will disagree. I don't run into that as much anymore as I would, say, SEO or some of those other type of services. Before I transition and drop a bomb, I did want to tie that one off, but I did want to say, Jason, I, yeah, no, I understand. I was going to say real quick. I think when I'm involved with several agencies or there's a head agency and I have less say about the outcome or the overview. Yeah. It's, there may be too many rounds. Um, and then sometimes there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen on the client side and there's lack of communication between the departments and the 11th hour changes, which can be frustrating. So it's kind of like you guys need to be on the same page on the client end. But I would have to say as an agency, when I manage my own projects and I'm the top agency managing that project, I try to keep things to as little rounds as possible, two to four rounds, because I don't want to 
yeah, I can rack up a huge bill for the client and I don't really want to do that. I actually would rather be smart and effective for them. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And when we used to launch websites, it was like, yeah. you get three rounds. That's it. Like you get round one, round two is like your last chance. And round three is like, we're done. Like we're not going any further. I think the other thing with that is like, if you're a big company, you're working with a small agency. I think there's, ten there's some tendencies to take advantage of that situation. And they put the agency in a difficult situation because they are a fortune 500 brand. And they're like, well, you should just do this because you have our business. And that's always kind of a crappy situation to be in, right? And so I think it's important overall to, as a agency or a brand, is to find like-minded companies to work with, a good relationship builder. I Sorry, I just another thing I thought was important in that, inside of that little nugget of conversation there. We spend a lot of our time working, and I think it's just so important. These collaborations can be so much fun and really satisfying. Yeah. So it's just trying to like, like Jason said, just find cool people to work with that makes it feel like you're not even working. Speaking of, which I wanted to throw in, in the ring is, uh, I have to say a pet peeve of mine, but it's a necessary evil right now, unless I get to that level where I can just pick and choose is RFPs. I feel like they need to be abolished. It's an antiquated process to match the right agency with a client. I think they're inefficient. They're a waste of time. Yes, the larger agencies can get their team involved and spend a week putting together an 80-page proposal, but it's just like, it's kind of throwing a pencil down the hallway. It's really, it's like um, not to mention some of these RFPs are like badly written and too vague, right? But I would actually encourage to even just don't do RFPs, like be a forward-thinking client and company and be progressive. Like once again, I refer to startups, like as an agency, I would encourage like maybe do a one a, a day with potential agency design sprint. I would suggest maybe a design sprint, a workshop, a hackathon, you know, kind of get an idea of how I work and how we work together. I think that's better rather than spending doing an 80 page proposal and doing a traditional pitch. That's boring to me. I'm selective about them. I'll do them because I'm still an evolving business, but I, there's some I've just turned down. I'm like, no, I can't do it. Yeah, it doesn't give you an idea of the working relationship, I guess, too. And like sometimes some companies just stockpile the RFPs. I think a difference between the agency client relationship now versus a few years ago is people have wised up. I mean, I think there's also more of a gig and freelance economy. There's more options. It's not just a like a boss telling you what to do. Right. And I think that's where it can fall down. So one of the biggest advices I can give, I made the decision to say no two people when I first started the agency. It was so hard. It was challenging because you think, hey, I need that money. Any money is good money. Well, it's not. And there are instances where I've had to say, you know what, after, like you said, looking at these numbers, like it just doesn't make sense, whether it's from a financial perspective or, I mean, I've had to let brands go and you know, when you do it and partners, but when you're upfront and honest and transparent about it, it is what it is at that point, right? But it could be anything from financial to you're just being a jerk, right? Because the other thing I said when I started the agency, I'm going to work with people that I want to work with and that appreciate me and the agency for what we offer. And I will not be bullied and I will not be taken advantage of. And that's maybe part of the reason why I stayed away from the big, big companies, right? Because they tend to do that. 
pay 120, net, 20, net 120, right? Ask you to work nights and weekends, right? Like I'm going to work nights and weekends anyways, but I don't want someone to tell me to do that. That's why I started my own business. My wife can tell me to do that. Not, right? But all joking aside, like I think that is also an important topic. It's okay to say no, even if you're in a situation where you're not well off financially, it's going to pay off in the long run. And that's why like when you approach me with this session, it's like, yeah, I can bitch about a lot of agencies. Fortunately enough for brands, like a lot of my negative experience has been working with other agencies before I started my own and working with their clients. But since I started my, like, I only work with people I generally like. And if I don't, we usually separate ways. We usually part ways. And so thankfully I don't have as much problems on a day-to-day basis, but there are definitely times where I'm like, I don't know if this is really worth, is the effort worth the result, right? Right. And that's what, well, that's what you see from working in engagements, how well it's how well it is. So we want to do cool things with people we like. Absolutely. It's true. It's really at the base of it. Okay. So let's go on to the last biz question, which would be like, what can clients do to get better outcomes from agencies? What's a formula that could work there? Well, I would say number one, don't, as many mentioned earlier, don't chase the shiny objects. Stay focused on what your true North Star is, if you will, your goals or your objectives. And documenting, you know, having documentation. I will also say, and this is from a, mm-hmm. a recent experience. So I do a lot of consulting now, especially with COVID. I've been doing more. And so I've had experiences with other agencies come in. And what I will say is as a brand, make sure you have your house in order first before you go and hire an agency. So let me back up. You need to do one of two things. You either need to establish an internal strategy or goals and objectives internally as a team and have everybody on the same page there, right? Or if you're not going to do that, you have to find an agency that you trust that can do that, that can build that strategy, can build the the tactics and execute on those tactics. You can't play in the middle, right? And I see a lot of companies doing that where it's like, oh, we think this is our strategy or this is what we want to do. Let's bring in an agency. It's like, well, the agency is like, well, wait, you don't even have this established, nor are you paying us to do that, right? And so work on yourself first. And then if you want to go work with an agency, have that plan in place. The best way that people can help themselves. Yeah, having a good grasp of what's going on. And I feel for in-house teams as well, because they're so overwhelmed and they're like wearing 15 hats. So I know why it happens, but it's not just about doing things. It's circular. It's like you launch something, then you analyze it, then you optimize it, then you get version 2.0. And just going through that cycle, because it's not the shiny new toy. It's not the gee whiz feature that's going to get you your growth. It's just getting better at it, like understanding how to use a new tool, being better with creative. But yeah, just turning those weaknesses into strengths and just and knowing where you're at. That agency client becomes tricky because then on our end, it turns into a shoot the messenger situation. And it's hard for agencies too, because sometimes clients need to reward a negative message sometimes where it's like you have to show that you can handle the truth by rewarding the truth because sometimes if people want to hear better news then everyone's going to tell it to them and no one's going to look at our election like no one wants to tell yeah. someone the bad news right <laughs> i was not <laughs> so, going to cover that <laughs> i want to add one thing really quick and I, and I promise wendy i'll like open up to you the other thing that's important to establish is communicating to the client that you need to have the right strategy first measure twice, cut once, as we say a lot. And anytime, so we have a 30-day setup period with our campaign. And that's really for us 
and the team to understand the business, what the goals and objectives are, how are you measuring everything, what platforms make sense, who's your target audience, right? Who's your competitors, what's the landscape? And so it really takes time and effort and money ultimately to develop that right strategy because that allows us to do is when we do launch, we're 80 to 90% there because we did the upfront research. Where we've gotten in trouble as an agency is allowing brands to say, hey, we want to launch next week. And we're like, oh, yeah, 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 let's launch next week. Anytime we've done that and we bypassed our processes, it's always come back and bit us in the butt. And so I would say the other kind of nugget of information is to stick to your guns when it comes to developing the right strategy first. If, if the company does not want to allow you the time to do that, find another company to work with because they're not the right fit because it goes back to expectations. They're going to expect it to be an immediate result, especially paid media. Oh my God, why am I not getting five? I spent X and I'm not getting 5 million views. It's like, well, it still takes time for algorithms. You can't just go out and bid first place and outbid somebody who's been bidding for 20 years. Okay, let me back up by 10 years, 15 years. When did Google start? A uh, Google ad start? So it's like one of those things where it's just going back to expectations as well. But anyway. Okay, I'm going to be short and sweet with mine. Yeah, short and sweet. Communication on the client side. Please make sure everybody within your different departments are on the same page to prevent extra rounds and delays. And then, which brings me into, I'm a stickler for this kind of thing because I've been a designer on the designer into graphic designing. But submit brand assets and content on time so that we don't need to incur charges or delay your deliverables. Um, right, or chase it down, yeah. Yeah, like I'm really trying not to rack up your bill. You could spend that robust budget on something else within that campaign or project. Don't waste it on rush charges, please. <laughs> yeah, I think... I'm a producer mindset too. My one thing for better outcomes is that it's a partnership. And just treat it like a partnership and have empathy on both sides because you're both running... The agency and the client are running businesses and the... In some ways, like that, being considerate and being thoughtful of that, like you will get so much great work out of them because not every client does that. And it's just enough. Of, like, I feel like these are sometimes they're torrid love affairs. Like we talk about it. We keep on mentioning dating. When you're going to work together for a little while, I like to think of the agency client relationship ultimately as like going to the same college. Like we work together. We did this together and we can have a lifelong relationship because we went to the same place. We had a common experience together. So let's just enjoy that time and just have each other's backs on it. That's great. That's a great point. Yeah. Empathy is a big word too. I like that. Yeah. Human. Be human. Yeah. We're just trying to have fun Please. doing this. It's fun to do this stuff. All right. So wrapping up, I will ask a less serious question, but a serious one. I'm going to ask you both about your favorite song and I'm happy that Wendy's a great dancer. Jason has DJ experience. This is going to be good. I'm also but... known to be a great dancer as well. Just so you know. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, Wendy laughs. She doesn't know. No, I'm, just I'm dead serious. Let's see it. Oh, boy. Is it on YouTube? So if I'm... Viral hit? But so like what? <laughs> TikTok? <laughs> so I do with no cameras around. Um, so favorite song. Is that what you're going to... One song that deserves a listen on the Spotify jukebox... One song to pick just because it's that good. And everyone should just take five minutes out of their life to listen to it. Okay, I actually prepared this answer. And I'm going to break the rules and give you two songs. Yeah, that's fine. That's because fine. they're that's both fine. It's hard to pick. have the same name, but two different vibes. The name of the songs, two songs, are both called In Your Eyes. The first one is done by The Weeknd, featuring Kenny G. It's got this nice, great groove, like a cheesy 80s sax uh, vibe, but it's really, really grooving. I'm going to put it in chat later. The second song, also called In Your Eyes, 
is not new. It's actually a couple of years ago by this group called Bad, Bad, Not Good. And it's got this interesting ballad, like a nice 70s vibe to it. So I'll put that in chat. In your eyes, two different ways. Excellent. Yeah, 2020 was the year that I became a weekend fanboy. <laughs> so it's <laughs> that sax solo and that song is amazing. Love yeah, it. Yeah, that Love album. It. Yeah. And he's weekend is going to be doing the Super Bowl halftime show. So that was a, yep. That's a good one. It's the weekend's world and we're just living in it now. But thanks for those suggestions. So Jason, what was your DJ name, Jason? Or did you have one? DJ Dizzle. Jay Dizzle. Nice. Dizzle? Yep. That was, uh, remember, I'm, I'm 40 now. So it's when I was 25, so 15 years ago. The song, so I'm a hip hop baby. And so I was gonna ask your genre, yeah, that's my yeah. genre. That's what I mix. I don't know. When you said that, I was like, man, it's so tough because I can go all the way back to like Tupac, Biggie days, mm -hmm. or like yeah. nowadays. I think one of the songs that always hits me is it's by Post Malone. It's called Congratulations. And I think it's always hit me personally because for somebody who came from divorced parents and didn't have the best upbringing, was homeless at one point, being able to pull myself out of that and provide the life for my wife and my dog that we have right now is in that song of we've made it, but we haven't made it kind of thing. And everyone wants to congratulate you, but like they don't really understand of all the stuff that, that came all the trials and tribulations and where we are today. So I think that song alone always kind of hits me and it kind of just speaks speaks to me. But again, there's so many songs out there that I can I know, there's, play. Yeah, there's a lot, there's of, a lot of good ones. ones. I know, so, it's hard but, to pick just one. But for just that one, one, hopefully that, that yeah. makes sense. That's what you're looking for. Sounds good. Thanks for those suggestions. And so wrapping things up, Jason, if people like what you're saying, how can they reach you? They can reach me. LinkedIn is usually the best. I am on Instagram and Facebook, but mostly from my personal side. I mean, not everybody wants to see what I'm posting these days, so that might be, you know, controversial. <laughs> okay. But but LinkedIn, oh I keep it oh I keep it professional. So yeah, LinkedIn. You can also find me consultingbyjason.com and 1026media. So it's t e n 26media.com. For those who are curious, that's my wife's birthday. That's where the number comes from. So yeah. Look, look me up. If you don't like what I have to say, look me up too, and we can have a conversation. We need to have those conversations. I love yeah. it. And Wendy. Provocative. How can people reach you? Yes. Okay. So I am also on LinkedIn under Wendy Who with an H-U, or also Visual Conductor, which is my creative studio, as well as also my alias. So I'm Visual Conductor, which is also visualconductor.co is my website. You can go look at my projects including some virtual experiments I've done in the past year in reaction to 2020, as well as I'm at visual conductor across the board on most Instagram, the most. Excellent. So we'll, we will put all of this in the show notes as well. So thank you both so much for coming on and bitching about agencies and clients. <laughs> it's great to have you. Good times. Yeah. I feel like we should have been having knocking a couple cocktails on that one. Maybe next time. I think we're too easy next on the agencies, but part two. <laughs> Next time we'll really hit them. <laughs> right on, right on. Thank you again. All right, thanks, guys. Bye now. Hi, this is Steven. This episode is sponsored by Needle Movement. And Needle Movement is on a mission to make digital marketing fun. So, <laughs> what does that even mean? In e-commerce, marketing is fun. Marketing is a blast when your sales are strong, right? We've been there. 
It's a great feeling. Like when you've already hit your monthly revenue target and there's still a week left to go on the calendar, then you're just piling on more sales. This year, Needle Movement just celebrated with a client that has a streak of 14 straight months of revenue growth and counting. And for Black Friday, Cyber Monday 2020, multiple Needle Movement clients had their all-time high, their best month in sales ever. That's the fun we're talking about. But it took a lot of hard work. It didn't happen overnight. It always takes months to get there, but we did it through conversation marketing. Needle Movement provides done with you SMS, chatbot, and email marketing services for emerging e-commerce brands. And in e-commerce, there is a science behind successful product drops, abandonment campaigns, even running a flash sale. And that is a sweet spot for conversation marketing. And you may have heard some of this before. You're thinking, sounds good, but we're so busy and who's got the time to do all this? And that's where we come in. Because I'm sure a lot of companies would like to launch SMS or build a messenger bot or have or email automations that generate repeat revenue, but teams are spread pretty thin these days because you got all these other initiatives going on at the same time. And that's our specialty. We help brands to either launch or get much better at conversation marketing channels. Contact us and schedule a free 30 minute call and we'll talk through the additional possible revenue for your brand with these initiatives that we can set up. Go to needlemovement.com, click on the let's talk link at the top and you're in. There are only a couple of slots available for early 2021. So that's all for now. And last but not least, tune in next week for a new episode of the Needle Movement Podcast. Thank you for listening.